Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. We are back and better than ever after a week off. Uh, apologize for the delay in, in the episode um, for the uh, 20 listening. <laughs> um, but yeah, last week we 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 had some we we had graduation, so um, busy week, unable to get an episode out, which is unfortunate because we had a lot of stuff happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Graduation, kind of one of those uh, once-in-a-lifetime events, so you couldn't really get the podcast out that week. But I'll tell you what, it, it's funny with that, because uh, they always say, like, live in the moment, right? And so we had it at the Peoria Civic Center, which, if you've never been, the pretty big building down in Peoria where they have the graduation. Uh, the building where the 1984 Turner Cup champions played. So I was there, I was like, wow, like, you know trying to soak in the moment, uh, walking up on stage, like looking around, it's like, oh, this this is it, finally going to get my degree and go into the working world. Uh, what a big accomplishment for me is that I handed my reader card, and it's pretty simple, because like before you have graduation, they have you fill out the name sheet, and Mitchell Kaminsky, pretty pretty straightforward. Like, if you get a card that says M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L, you know it says Mitchell, so no need to like spell it out correctly or whatever, right? Hand the lady the card, ready to go. Smiling, Michael Christoph Kaminsky is what they read off. I'm like, look over, like, what the? And I was so shocked that they misread Mitch that uh, didn't even bother crying. I was like, what? Dumbfounded. Uh, and it was funny too because people in the audience, the guy, I got a couple texts like, I didn't know you had a cousin that went here, like, hey, Michael. I'm like, I don't. It was me. But uh, so, what are you gonna do? And I, you know. I could understand. Sorry, dog going crazy in the background. You know, I, I can understand if it was a hard name to pronounce, right? Like, you know, um, like uh, I don't even like like a Rajapu or something. Like, you know, Mitchell. I mean, come on, that's a pretty pretty straightforward. They butchered it. So <laughs> there you go. I mean, funny story, I guess, to go go along with it. But anyway, let's. Uh, so yeah, that was uh, one moment, and uh, it was ruined. And I realized, you know. It's, it is what it is. Another person that's going to realize it is what it is is Chris Paul. Um, son's lost a couple weeks ago. And I think the reality sunk in for Chris Paul and the Suns. Like, the, the championship window's closed. Like, that, they're tight. My dog better shut the hell up. Hold on. I don't know what the hell he's barking at. We're going to have to... Whoa. What's cut the... Louis barking at the mailman in the background, so lively, a lot of action going on over here. But I, I think uh, the Suns got to realize the championship window's closed. Like that—that that was it. That was their best chance to win it. Next year, Clippers are winning the title. Book it. That roster, Kawhi back, Paul George fully healthy. Clippers are winning the NBA title next year. The, the Suns, their window's over. And I think Chris Paul realizes, you know. And I think it sunk in. I think that's why you have the retirement talks. But you know, there was a lot of Chris Paul slander going around afterwards and let's be clear he played very poorly but like he deserves a bunch of criticism you know hall of fame point guard 10 points in the last couple games like the the closeout game unacceptable in game seven that's the performance you put up from a hall of fame caliber player it wasn't a hall of fame caliber performance it was not even a g league caliber performance he was bad all right so he deserves a little bit of criticism here that being said, I'm going to defend Chris Paul a little bit because he's been getting a lot. He he took the brunt of the criticism from everyone and the media, former players like Pat Bev's taking shots at him too. I mean, come on, like, which is also personal. We'll get into that in a second. But everyone piling on Chris Paul, you know, Marshall, former podcast mate. He, he, his big thing is Chris Paul's a front runner. You know, he takes all the credit when things are going well and then things are going bad. Oh, it's always everyone else's fault. 
I mean, some of that might be valid, but I would like to point this out in defense of Chris Paul. Number one, you know, we're going to pile on the guy that had, you know, perfect shooting game, literally perfect performance. It was 13-13, 13 for 13, 16 for 16. I, perfect shooting performance in a closeout game the round before. So that's like we're going to take shots at. That's, not, that's number one. So I don't think Chris Paul's trapped by any means. Like the man's going to be in the Hall of Fame for a reason. What were the Suns before he got there, too? Let me, let me also point that out. Because it's pretty much the same roster. They had, I remember watching that team play the Bulls. They had the bubble year, 2020. They had DeAndre Aiden. They had Devin Booker. That was mostly the same starters. They had Cameron Johnson. That team, like, you know, they're in the bubble, and they didn't make the playoffs. And the NBA is pretty easy to make the playoffs. I mean, nearly everyone makes the playoffs. You know, you can have a below 500 record, and you can sneak into the eighth seed. Not that hard to make the NBA playoffs. They miss playoffs. They're not that good. Chris Paul gets there. They all of a sudden they become titled contenders. So, you know, before we call him a front runner, I think let, let's think of who elevated the Suns to the level they are. Because Chris Paul did that. Like, he was a reason in their position. Now, he does deserve some criticism for how poorly he played in those big games, but the reason they were in those big games was Chris Paul. That's number one. Number two, we also have to factor in the fact he is 38 years old. Like, I think LeBron James is blinded us to the fact that, like, usually when you're this old, you're usually not that good. Like, what LeBron James is doing at his age is an outlier. Like, that's not the norm. You look at most 38-year-old basketball players, they don't look that great. And I think he showed his age in some of those games. That's number two. Number three, I would also like to point out, like, why is Chris Ball taking the majority of the, the criticism here? Devin Booker's the best player on that team. He was the one that was the MVP candidate. He didn't play much better. Why is he not getting any criticism? If anyone should get and get the brunt of the criticism, and Chris Ball deserves a share, but if we're doing a blame pie here, Devin Burker deserves the majority of the pie. Because he's the face of the team, he's the face of their franchise. What did he do in that game? I would argue, I'd also think Devin Booker, personally, I think he's kind of overrated. Like that, he, he's a glorified Zach Levine. He's a slightly better Zach Levine. He scores, that's about it. But he doesn't play much good defense, too. And also, DeAndre Aiden, who was in line for an extension, did he play like a guy that you should be giving the max contract to? If I'm a Suns and I watch that playoff performance in two games in a row, he's a non-factor out there. I wouldn't give him an extension. He played like ass, too. So he had two of their better players, the first-round pick in the face of the franchise, that didn't do anything. But yeah, let's all, let's all pile on Chris Paul. It's all Chris Paul's fault. I mean, come on. He deserves some blame. Not nearly as what he got. And as far as Pat Bev goes, and you know, a lot of players have piled on this. Like they've said it already. But like, what has he accomplished in the league? He's no like he thinks he's some defensive specialist. He's famous because he he talks a lot of trash and he injured Russell Westbrook. Let, let's be honest, and everyone thinks he's like scrappy. It's not like he's some offensive force out there either. Like okay, make you're gonna call Chris Paul a cone? I mean, the guy he's a 38 year old. Is he some defensive stopper? No, but like a cone, really? Pat Bev's not the shutdown guy he thinks he is. Like, I hate to break it. Like, a lot of people have acknowledged this, too. Like, he was a couple... He was close to playing for the Shanghai Sharks. He was almost out of the league. And a lot of that was personal, too, because they don't get along. Like, he threw that cheap shot on Chris Paul a couple years ago uh, when he's the Clippers. He just hit him behind the back. Like, he's got beef with him for whatever reason. So I, I take what he says with a grain of salt. You know, I don't, I don't, and I, you know, I like the fact that he's a scrappy player, but he's not that good. He's totally overrated in defensive end. Makes his name for being a great defensive player. I don't think he's that great of a defensive player. I don't think many of the other people in the league respect him that much either. And that tells you all you need to know. Like, his peers do not respect him. I, Chris Paul's peers respect him a lot more. Now, he's got to have to accept the fact he's not going to win a title. He's going to go down as one of the Charles Barkley type players. Great player to ever win a ring. 
And that does stain his legacy a little bit, too. I mean, the, the way he played in the, the, that stretch, the, yeah. You tarnish that. You, that's, a, that's a check on his legacy. Like, all those two old leads that they've blown, that is fair. But don't get it twisted. He does not deserve the blame that he got. That, that was ridiculous. Uh, Devin Booker deserves a lot more blame there. It's that Kardashian curse, man. It, it's real. <laughs> it's real. First, Blake Griffin dates a Kardashian. He gets shipped off from beautiful, sunny L.A. to Detroit. Boy, talk about a step down to living. After living in L.A. the past couple months, if I had to go from there to Detroit, whew, that's tough. So that's already cursed. And then you got Ben Simmons. Yeah, I don't have to get into that one. I mean, we all know what thing. Now let's hit Devin Booker. If you're an NBA player, don't take the Kardashian. I mean, he comes back to bite you. Just ask Tristan Thompson. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's go. the big news of this week, we jump around a little bit, but the college football news, which has been all over, is Nick Saban calling out Texas A&M for basically saying they bought the number one recruiting grant. Nick Saban, let's be honest, he was a little salty. He was a little salty. I'm sure you've all heard the audio right now. If you didn't, here's a Spark Notes version. Nick Saban was talking to reporters. He was saying, we didn't get the number one recruiting class this year. Texas A&M did. They literally bought all their players with the end. Like, what would have made it okay if he mentioned that it was legal because of the NIL stuff? But he said they bought all their players. And then he went out and said, uh, Deion Sanders, because they got the number one recruit in the class, five-star recruit, and they said they paid him a million dollars to go there. Now, as far as the Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M thing goes... I think a little bit of it is Nick Saban, he's a competitor, and he's salty that they didn't get the number one class. So he's lashing out. That I think that's number one. But let's be honest here. I mean, Texas A&M, college football, and college sports in general, they're not these squeaky clean images that everyone perceives them. I absolutely, I think there's a lot of truth to what Nick Saban said. I absolutely think that Texas A&M bought the majority of their class. You know, football's big down south, ton of boosters, ton of money going around. Did they buy that class? Absolutely. But so does every single college football program. And Jimbo Fisher alluded to it, too. You don't think Nick Saban and their boosters pay players? I mean, come on. You're kidding yourself if you don't think they do. Even before the NIL stuff. You always think they're running a clean program to get the, the, the number one recruits everywhere? No. They're all getting money. The only person that has a legitimate beef. Because Jimbo, I think he knows deep down. And that's probably why he lashed out. I've always operated into the fact that, like, you know you're guilty. You're going to tend to lash out a lot more. Your reaction is going to be a lot more volatile. And if you know the claim's ridiculous, he knows there's some truth to that. And that's why I think the reaction was what it was. Uh, but, like, I can understand why he's upset. Taking some shots back. I mean, you know, it's a rivalry. Both in the SEC. That's fine. You know, I, I think there's some good, valid points on each side. The only one that in this, this, this whole mix-up that actually has a legitimate beef is Deion Sanders. Like, that, I do not believe they paid him a million dollars because Jackson State does not have the boosters to pay a recruit a million dollars. It's, it's Jackson State. They don't have the type of money or boosters to be. But let's not kid ourselves. If they did, they absolutely would do the same thing. Everyone would. Every college football program does it. All the successful ones do it. And if you don't do it, like, you think your program doesn't do it, you're fooling yourselves. The boosters, you know, you know, I see the fans at Nebraska, for example. My brother goes there. I watch a lot of Nebraska games. You don't think they're paying players? You don't think the Tom Osborne or... They weren't paying players. There's some shady business going on. College football and college sports is a cesspool of greasy. Like, scumbag. You know, it happens. But I do not believe they paid Deion Sanders. They, they didn't play that, that, that guy a million dollars. I, I don't think. So he's the one that has legitimate beef. And I think his response is good. You know, Nick Saban tried to call him behind the scenes and squash it. Now he, 
Dion has a favorite If anyone has a beef, it's him. But let's be honest with ourselves. If they had the boosters to start paying players, they would be doing it too. Every program does it. And now with the NIL that it's legal for the boosters to do it, just going to make things easier for them. Like, I think that movie Blue Chips, if you ever watched that movie, I think that is the most accurate college sport movie. Like, some of the things dramatized, but, like, I, I honestly believe that's how most of these college programs operate. Like, look at all the great dynasties. Like, just going through the list. It hasn't come out from Alabama yet, but Jimbo Fisher alluded to it. And I actually think he's telling the truth there. I, I'm sure that is how they operate, too. Like, Nebraska, you don't think they were feeding those linemen steroids? Absolutely. For that dynasty. USC. All the stuff with Reggie Bush came out. They were getting paid money. <laughs> I mean, come on. So are we really going to be shocked that Texas A&M bought the, the recruiting class? They totally bought the recruiting class. I think this year it was more legal to do it. It was legal to do it. So they didn't break any rules for the first time. But, I mean, come on. They they bought that recruiting class. And if Nick Saban had just said it, it was within the rules, then he would have been fine. A couple more sentences in that thing, if he added a couple words there, he would have been off the hook. But because he didn't, it made it sound like sketchier. That's where he got himself into trouble. That and calling out Dion for some reason. But I think that's just because he's salty. That is a salty, cranky old man that is not, he's used to getting his way all the time. And he didn't, so he threw a little temper tantrum in front of the media. So all of them acting like child. Dion, not so much. I think he has a legitimate beef. But like I said, Jackson State had the boosters to pay that guy. Like, they would have. It's just how it works. Who's really hurt by this rule, too? And that's actually what's so, and this is where I, this is where I will say this. This is where I do give Deion Sanders and Jackson State a lot of credit for, like, the culture they're building there and the program they're building there, the way they're able to recruit. Because this NIL rule really hurts the mid-major schools that don't have the boosters for this arms race for money. That don't have these big fun, because if you're a 17-year-old kid and you got the choice, you know, hey, I can get a full-ride scholarship to Missouri State. Or I could go to Mizzou where they got boosters and they're going to pay me money for an endorsement deal, which one do you think you're going to go to? I mean, it's a no-brainer. So the mid-ranger schools are going to suffer for like almost every program. Like that That's who's going to squat. The little guy, the rich are going to keep getting richer with that rule. Like you think it's going to create parity in college? Yeah, the, the, the parity in college sports is going to get worse, I think, because of this rule. And I, by the way, I'm all for these. But I think, I think EA should be, like, I am all for them making money off their name and likeness. I, I, I get it. I'm just glad they put it out in the open now that it's like legal because everyone was doing it before. But now that you can do it legally and now that you doesn't have to go completely under the table with a lot of these boosters, uh, I think the parity and the gap is going to get wider. Uh, just the way it is. Celtics Heat played last night and the Heat kind of got smacked around and that was no surprise. I think... That series, I think, is going to end in five games. I think you'll watch game one. And, you know, game one's a lot of times, it's tough to tell, especially because the Celtics, had, they were coming off a grueling series against the Bucks. But you really watch that game. The Celtics should have won game one, too. They outplayed them the entire first half. Uh, the third quarter of the Heat turned it around and ran away with it. But that was a game where the Celtics were really banged up. They were missing Marcus Smart. You saw what an impact he makes on the series. But that was the game they had. They were in control the first half. I was watching the halftime show, and Stephen A. Smith and all of them, they're like, the Celtics are in control of this game. The Heat should be worried. And then the fact they went out and took the second game, that series is going to be over really quick. I, everyone thinks it's going to go seven. I know a bunch of my friends at my basketball team, they're like, oh, it's going to be a hard-fought series. It's not. It's not. I like Jimmy Butler, but if everyone's blinded by he gets all these 40-point games in the playoffs, all of a sudden he comes out of the world work. 
I don't think he's a top 10 player in the league. I think he's a very solid player. I don't think he's a top 10 player in the league. I don't think the Heat have the star power you need to win in the NBA today. Bam's been a non-factor. Tyler Hero's nice, but there's a reason he won the sixth man of the year award. He is an excellent bench player, but he's not carrying your team scoring-wise. They don't shoot the three well enough. They haven't been shooting the three well enough because the Celtics play great defense. Like, they just knocked out Kevin Durant, arguably best player in the world. Giannis, who I think is the best player in the world. And now who do the Heat? The Heat don't have nearly the firepower of those last two teams. I think the Celtics caught everyone off guard by how good they were because they came on a late charge of the regular season. But that team's probably, I think that team is probably my, honestly, the the, the Bucks Celtics series for me, that was going to decide. The, I think the winner of that series is going to win the NBA title. So I think the Celtics, if, if I am had to bet, place a bet on a team right now, I'm taking the Celtics. They play great defense. They've been shooting the three really well. Marcus Smart's been excellent. Tatum, I mean, he, he's been a stud. And they had a horrible game. In game one, Jalen Brown played terrible. It was really just one bad quarter. Like, shooting-wise, he, he had a bad shooting night. He missed a bunch of free throws. They had one bad quarter. Otherwise, I think they should have won that game because they were in control of the first half. That series is going to be over really quick. It's going to go to Boston. They're going to go up 3-1. to one. The Heat are going to be demoralized. I think that's going to be a wrap for them. It's a good season. They got depth. I like the Heat. You know, I like the way they have they, I like the culture they build. Team first attitude ever since they, they LeBron and them left. But Celtics win that series. On to the other half. I actually want to get into this a little bit because it's kind of funny. They had the whole little lane and the, the, the uh, Mark Cuban spat on Twitter. Um, look it up if you haven't. The little Wayne deleted some tweets, but uh, little Wayne tweeted, Luca, oh. Um, which, I'm not going to lie, everyone craps on LeBron for flopping. Luca is almost worse. I cannot stand what everyone loved Luca. The man complains, and you can't deny he's not talented. Like, he's a top. He's probably top five player in the NBA right now. Like he willed them to that series victory. Because this Mavs team, let's be honest with ourselves, not a whole lot of firepower there. Spencer Dinwiddie's a nice player, but like after that, probably should not have won that last series against the Phoenix Suns. Like That was a big upset. Luka, hell of a job. Excellent player, but let's... We're going to knock on LeBron for flopping. Luka should get a lot more flack than he does for flopping. And I know some people call him out, and I think that that's what Little Wayne was referring to there, too. I mean, the guy flops a lot. He whines after every call. He'll get the call, and he still whines. I cannot, like, that. he is infuriating to watch play. I cannot stand him. Uh, he is one of my least favorite superstars in the NBA just because it's always whining and bitching and complaining with him. Every call. Hey, talented. And that's what you got to do. Everyone does it. Like, Jordan, he whined too. So, like, Luke is not doing anything new. I just can't, like, I, I find him frustrating to watch. And yeah, I get where, if you were a Suns fan, then I get where you're coming from there. <laughs> I get where you come from, Little Wayne. But Mark Cuban had the perfect response there, too, with the, with the lyric. I think it was, like, front row, it's a shit show, was, was his response for the Little Wayne uh, lyric. Uh, and then Little Wayne <laughs> throws a temper tantrum back at him. Like, what the hell did you expect? Rappers, especially, like, he, they always act like they're, like, we're treading a dangerous line here. I, I think he is soft. Let's put it that way. If that's what's going to rile you up after you called their best player a garden tool, and, and you're going to, you know, you, the owner responds, and you're going to get worked up like that. And I think according to Skip Bayless, who, who's good friends with Lil Wayne, uh, it was, oh, well, he had hit my son in the photo, and I didn't want him dragged into I'll be honest, I didn't even know it was his son in the photo. I, I No one thought about that. I just thought it was a clever reply. Lil Wayne kind of looks soft. I mean, I'm going to argue, you know, Kind of being a hypocrite. You're going to call Lucas off for complaining about everything, and you're going to complain about that? 
after you started it? Come on now. You're looking a little soft, little Wayne. That, I mean, you're throwing a temper tantrum over that? You just shut up and take your medicine. You're acting like a baby. I mean, come on. Grown-ass man acting like this on Twitter. It is sickening. You know. I'll say this to Luca. At least he's yeah, yeah, it's professional off the court. I got no problems with him. Personally, I think he whines a lot while he's on the court. But, you know, I got to draw a foul. A little hypocritical from the point there. Uh, but we get into that Warrior series. Um, I think the end of, it's the end of the line for the Mavs. Uh, honestly, I think they're just not deep enough. Luke is great, but like this Warrior is battle-tested. And that goes a long way in the playoffs. And Clay's kind of been off. But I don't think that's going to continue. Like I think he will find a rhythm. I think they're better defensively. Um, I think, you know. Now, not having Gary Payton, a uh, junior back, kind of hurts. But I, I think they're just a better team. I, I think they're a lot deeper. And, and after coming off a long seven-game series against the Suns, the, the um, Golden State was a little bit more well-rested. That home court advantage is a real thing. You know, it's not Oracle anymore, but they're loud. They got a young fan base there. Cause, you know, I mean, they live in Silicon Valley. So it's a young, rich crowd there that shows up. They got a lot more energy. Get a couple cocktails. It gets loud in there. Regardless of where they're playing, they got a, they got a good fan base. Uh, not that Dallas doesn't. I mean, Dallas has an excellent one too. But I, I think that Warriors has got too many good things going for them. I think they got the better coach. They got the two superstars that have won before, and Luca doesn't have the help. Now I know you know some people are like ah well you know inside you know they, they, the Warriors don't have a big. Well, who's the Mavs big? You really trust Boban? I mean, he makes great commercials. I think the point about the coasters he makes in the Allstate commercial is a good point. Why are you going to use co why, why do you have coasters if no one's going to use them? He respects Wood, like Larry David. So for Brad, I'll appreciate him. But do I want Bobot in in a critical game against them? No. No. I don't think they really have that big of an advantage with the big men. I, the Warriors are just deeper. They got too many scoring threats. The, the, the chemistry is unreal. Uh, so I got Warrior Celtics going to the finals. And I'll give you my preview right now. I'm taking the Celtics in six. But we'll, we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out. Now, if you listen to the hockey podcast, that was our last podcast. I want to talk a little hockey. We're going to give hockey a little bit more love. Matt Harrington survived by the skin of his teeth. His Rangers were on the ropes. Uh, Shishkirskin, I think that's how you say it. Igor, Igor Shishkirskin, Shishkirskin. I apologize to you Rangers fans out there. Uh, uh, he kind of played like he didn't look too good that first round series. Yeah, you were the Vesna winner, soon to be Vesna winner. It gave him a scare. I think they didn't have the injury. Pittsburgh didn't have the injuries. <laughs> injuries. I, I think they lose that series. Uh, it's going to be an interesting series against the Hurricanes. But uh, they're still alive. It was a tough game one for the Rangers. Game two is tonight as of recording this. So by the time you're listening to it, uh, you know, we'll probably know. We'll see if the Rangers are down 2-2. Two two. If they can steal game two, yeah, I mean, and you'll know the result probably by after listening to this. The Rangers are probably going to win that series. This is a huge game two. Huge game two. Now, if they lose, they're still in it. I'm not putting them out of it, but they, they got to win both of them at home if that's the case. Uh, especially in hockey after a long, tiring series. Uh, and we go seven games. It's going to take your toll. Um, but I think, this is where I think Matt's in a little bit of trouble here with his, with his picks. I really like Tampa Bay Lightning. That team's going to, I think they're going to three-peat. Which people don't give enough credit for how hard a three-peat is. Uh, the Stanley Cup, let's be honest here. And in my opinion, that's a tough trophy to win in sports. The grind it takes... Because unlike these other sports, like the NBA and 8 seed, 90% of the time, no, almost 95, I would say, the 1 seed's winning that series. Because it's usually a crappy team that sneaks in by the skin of their teeth. 
especially now with the playing tournament where you, it could be a nine seed playing the one seed or a 10 seed if they, they win two of the games in a row. They're not winning. Like, it's usually going to be a pretty quick blowout. Like, the one seed, it's usually all chalk when they play in the eight seed, whoever it is. In hockey, that's not that uncommon for an upset to happen with one of the eight seed. The talent gap, not as wide. Physicality, too. How tough it is. It's like, physically. People are playing through broken legs, which is happening. Like, they're tough. The series are hard. I was watching the Panthers. It was the Panthers Lightning game. Like, that, that game, too, was physical. People were flying all over. It hurt just watching it. And I was sitting in bed. I was like, ugh. Not like they hurt. Physical. Long. It's a grind. You know, NBA players complaining about their 82-game season. Like, hockey's playing just as much, and that's a much more physical sport. And you flop in hockey, you get a penalty. So I, I think the grind it takes, how difficult it is, uh, how long the season is, uh, it, it's the hardest sport to win. And the talent level is so cl like close. Uh, there's not as big of a talent gap as there is in other sports. So the fact they're going to win not only one, and this is the most under-talked-about story I think there is, like they have a legitimate chance of three peat. I think they, they I think they're gonna win the conference there. Like Florida was probably a lot of people had Florida pegged as the best team in that conference, and they're on the ropes, they're down 2-0, and they lost both those games at home. So really all the lightning have to do is win one or two at home, and they got a three-one stranglehold on the series. So, I mean, like they they have a real chance to three peat, which is hard. The last three peat, I think, was like the Islanders, I wanna say. If I do my hockey history bet correctly, which they four I think they went four in a row. But that's impressive. Give them some props. If they can do that. That would be an impressive... That's an impressive storyline no one is talking about. I wish they would get a little more recognition for that. But I... I, I mean, this Lightning... They're humming. And there's something to be said. I was talking about the Warriors Stanley Cup experience. There's something to be said about the Lightning Stanley Cup experience. It goes a long way in the playoffs. Like, they, that, that leaves series... When that went to Game 7 against Toronto... I would... I mean, one, it's Toronto with their history. You, you, you knew they were a joke. I think I joked about that on the hockey one. If we, if you go back and listen, I think I was joking about that. If it's gonna go to, a, it's gonna go to a game seven and they're gonna choke in typical Leafs fashion. It's just what they do. They let down their fans every year. This is a more tortured fan base than Toronto, which is the hardest ticket to get in hockey. Like they had a like ten year stretch where they stunk, and you could not get a ticket there. You get a ticket to any, you got to scalp one if you want to go. To Toronto. That, that fan base is as loyal as they come. They like live and breathe Maple Leafs hockey in Toronto. It's like a religion out there. That's not even the national sport in Canada. Like hockey's a religion. I think lacrosse is the national sport. Hockey is their religion. Uh, and Toronto epitomizes it. They show up all the time. That's a hungry fan base. They've been dying for a winner and they just can't give up. <laughs> Every year the Leafs torture them and they show up. So I give a lot of props to Maple Leafs fans. But that went to game seven. You knew they were going to lose. I, that that was a gift. But uh, besides the history of them choking, that the fact that they were down, because like, the Leafs had two chances to win it. They had a game six to win it, game seven to win it. Like that was a battle tested squad from the Lightning. You saw a team that didn't panic, won a game on the road, an elimination game. Not easy to do, especially in Toronto. As bad as their history is. So that would be my favorite to win the Stanley Cup right now. You're going with who I who I think's the front runner. Also, Calgary too. Matt, Matt's other pick to go to the Stanley Cup. They won by the skin of their teeth too. Now I do think Calgary's a very good team. I like Calgary a lot too. Uh, but uh, I I got the Lightning in, in that one. Um, 
No, that's kind of interesting. The NFL released their schedule. They had a schedule release. And I, I saw, look, at which teams have the most prime time games this season, which I think is pretty telling for a lot of things. Now, minus the Cowboys, you already know they're going to get a bunch of prime time games, just their market. Um, so teams with three prime time games, the Bears, the Saints, and the Ravens. Now, the Bears is just because Chicago, huge market. You know, you get your Bears Packers. Everyone's going to tune in for that. So... That says nothing about the team. That's just more, they got a good fan base. Saints have three as well, and the Raven, Lamar, exciting player. He, you market around him, that's why he's there. Saints, that's going to be an interesting one. I'm interested to see. Now, some teams, the teams with four, the Titans, the Colts, the Raiders, the Cardinals, all of them intriguing for many different reasons. Ryan Tannehill, obviously. We'll see how he bounces back. They just drafted a new quarterback. That'll be interesting to watch. Just traded away A.J. Brown. That's it. Colts, new look team. Matt Ryan, that makes sense to me. Uh, Raiders, fun team. Good division. I mean, that NFC, the AFC West, I think all of their teams, like, if you look at the AFC West, like the, the NFL is telling you all you need to know. that They are loaded with AFC West games, so that's why the Raiders are there. The Cardinals, Kyler Murray, electric player. So that makes sense. Now, this is interesting, too, because these are the teams I think the NFL, you, you tell a lot from the primetime games, because especially early before they flex them. Like These are the teams the NFL thinks is going to be good. So these are the teams of five. Kansas City, given. Diving down out of this fight. The Bills. Also giving Tom Brady back for the Bucs. There, you got five. Packers got five. Aaron Rodgers, of course. San Francisco 49ers. That one's kind of interesting to me. With your Trey Lance, see how good they are. I think they're going to regress. I think they're going to get flexed out of some games. I don't think they end up playing all five of those. I think they're going to regress some. But, you know, NFC Championship last year. You know, what are you going to do? Steelers, another big market. They got five. Rams, Super Bowl champ. Easy. Joe Burrow and the Bengals, another one. Yeah, that makes sense. Chargers, electric. The Eagles. Now that one's a little surprising. They got five. And I think that that's because they're going to be the front runner in that division. So I think that is very interesting to see. The Cowboys, of course, I mean, that was a given. I'm surprised they only got five. It seems like they get every primetime game. The Patriots is another interesting one. Because the Patriots, you know, New England, great fan base there too. Not a whole lot of like star power on those teams. So the fact that they have five, I think, is very interesting. Says a lot what the NFL thinks of them and then the Broncos. Finally relevant again because of Russell Westbrook. Russell, Russell Westbrook. Russell Wilson. The Russell Wilson factor is real. I think he's personally the most underrated quarterback in the NFL. I said it when the Broncos signed him, but like that is a great pickup for multiple reasons. And you see already Broncos getting more primetime games, more money in their pocket. Russell Wilson, MVP 2022. That is my pick. You see it right there. They already got five primetime games. And that's the only difference between this year and last year. Um, now, this is interesting, too. I want to talk a little Baker Mayfield. A lot of people are saying that he should be traded to the Seahawks. I see a lot of Seahawks fans say, oh, he should trade for... Why haven't they traded for uh, Baker Mayfield yet? I think that makes no sense. I think trading for Baker Mayfield, personally, if I'm a Seahawks fan, and this is not a knock on Baker, but if I'm the Seahawks, that is the stupidest thing you can do. I think it is pretty obvious Seattle's trying to rebuild. But they're rolling with Drew Locke as their starter. And you've seen enough Drew Locke tape to know what he is. Traded away your franchise quarterback. I think it's pretty evident the Seahawks are making a run for the number one overall pick. They're in tank mode. Yeah, Russell Wilson, or Russell, yeah, Baker Mayfield there. You're going to win six to eight games. You're going to ruin your pick. You're going to get a middle of the line pick. That makes no sense to me. So either go all in. If they wanted to go all in and contend, they would have kept Russell Wilson. Or you're going to tank. Adding Baker is a middle of the line pack that's going to win you. It's, you're gonna win, Baker. You're gonna win six to eight games, which will net you 
you're not going to get a top five pick probably with that. With some of the crappy teams that are in the NFL right now. So that to me, and I think that's why they haven't, and I think they are smart for not doing it. It's not a knock on Baker, but I think the Seattle, like that makes no sense. It makes no sense for Seattle to trade for him. Because if they wanted to contend, they would have kept Wilson. That, that's just... That's almost like that's almost like if they, adding Russ Baker, adding Baker Mayfield is almost like what the Cubs are doing this year. <laughs> this is another thing I want to get into. We'll talk a little MLB really quick. Cause I hear a lot of fans complaining like, "Oh, we were lied to." Jed Hoyer said this is a retooling, not a rebuild. You have to be an idiot to look at that roster and think like, "Yes, this is a competitive roster." I could have told you it was a rebuild. Now it might be. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some talent there. Suzuki's is talented. Nick Madrigal's talented. Now, Mick Madrigal struggled early on, but I do believe he's a good player. When he's fully healthy, is he injury-prone? Yeah, and that's the label he's going to be stuck with. But when fully healthy, he's a good player. So they got some pieces at Contreras, obviously. So it's not that they stink. I think it's an expedited rebuild. But if you're a Cubs fan and you really thought they were going to contend this year, you're an idiot. I heard a rant earlier this week, oh, we were lied to. This, the product we're seeing, looks like a rebuild. It is not retooling what Jed Hoyer said. You believe that load of word salad that came out of Jed Hoyer's mouth? You are a moron looking at that roster if you thought they were going to be competitive. And what they are right now is like, it's going to be the same thing. I think they're going to win, you know, they'll win 75 games maybe. They'll win a lot of like a high, high 70, maybe low 80. They probably won't get that high, but they'll win high 70s, I think, mid 70s. We're not going to get a number one overall draft pick and they're just going to be in the middle of the road. And so, like, it's just, it makes no sense for a rebuilding team. To kind of do this, like, eh, you know, we're kind of contending, but not really. Like, it, it's obvious they want to rebuild, but they wanted to, like, keep some fans, like, engaged. Which would have, this is what's going to happen with the Seahawks, too. Like, and I think that's the only reason you'd make the move. That's the equivalent of what would happen with Baker Mayfield if you brought him in. The only reason you do it is to keep fans engaged with the illusion that you're trying to contend. But it's obvious they're not. They don't have the roster for it. You'd just be messing up your draft pick. And it's going to make the le- rebuild take longer. Like, what the Cubs are doing now is going to make the rebuild take a little bit longer. Like, you're going to rebuild, you rebuild. There's not this, like, eh, you know, wishy-washy thing. So, you know, they're not fooling anyone. The Cubs aren't fooling anyone. The Seahawks know what they're doing. And, you know, if you're a Seahawks fan, I think the Seahawks, the way they've played the past couple years, they've had enough sustained excellence where you're not going to lose many fans from a rebuild. Like, they've earned the right to rebuild for a couple of years just for how good they've been. That's the fan base is loyal. You know, they called the 12th man. Like, you know, give him a couple of years if you're Seahawks. I don't think anyone's bowing right off the bat uh, from that. Speaking of baseball, too, we're talking about the Cubs a little bit. We're kind of bouncing all over, Phil. I apologize. But uh, uh, Max Scherzer is going to be injured to likely the all-star break. Left Wednesday's game, uh, which it stinks. If you're a Mets fan, you've been waiting a long time. I'll be honest. I'm not too concerned about the Mets. Like they've had a couple injuries. McCann went down. Scherzer's now down. But I think this is a division that's not that good. You know, I, I saw an interesting stat because the other team that looked like it could contend, they added some pieces to Phillies. Phillies in the last 50 games are 25 and 25. Uh, in the last 100 games are 50 and 50. In the last 200 games, they are 100 and 100. They are the definition of mediocre. They are a 500 team. That is just what they are. I would not be worried about them. You know, the Braves. The, the Braves are always going to be tough, but like I think, you know, you lose Freddie Freeman. That's a pretty big loss. 
And I get you got Ronald Acuna back. But I think the Mets got enough firepower there, which is why they spent all this money and added all this depth to hang on long enough where they'll tread water without Scherzer for a while. So I am not overreacting about this like a lot of fans are. I think it stinks losing Max Scherzer, obviously. And they're down three starting pitchers now. Scherzer, DeGrom, and Tyler McGill. Uh, but they got enough firepower. I think if they can play... 500 baseball, tread water long enough, they'll be fine. They'll make the playoffs. They get everyone healthy back half of the season. That injury I'm not as worried about as uh, some other people are. And don't get me wrong, it stinks, but, uh, you know, it's, it's what are you going to do. PJ Championships this week. Has there been a dollar PGA Championship? Now, the, the Tiger story was interesting, and now he's probably going to miss the cut. He, he will miss the cut, which stinks. It's too bad with Tiger. Um, I think the Masters, you know, he played poorly, but that's what you expected. It was amazing. The fact he was even playing in the tournament. But now the amazingness, because we already saw it, is gone. And it's still incredible, the fact he's playing. But, like, not as impressive now. Because we always saw him doing it in the Masters, and he's playing bad. And so, uh, I think the PGA Championship, that's tough. Tough for ESPN. Because he need Tiger to do well. I stand by this. Golf only does well when Tiger does well. That's when people tune in. That's when they get the highest rating. Like Scotty Sheffield, number one player in the world right now, he ain't moving the needle. If he wins, no one's going to care. And I got news for you. Once Tiger gets a lick, doesn't make the cut, which I don't think he's going to. He's already had it off to a bad start in round two. Those ratings are going to drop. I'll be interested to see what the ratings are for day three and four without Tiger there. I think they're going to tank. Uh, be personally. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I don't. I won't be watching without Tiger. Eh, I take that back. Yes, I will. I probably will be tuning in just because like golf. But uh, we shall see. Um, <laughs> just just saw an interesting headline here. Bob Cousy fires back at JJ Redick for returning to 1950s players as plumbers and firemen. <laughs> uh, JJ Redick, by the way, is that not a breath of the fresh air for ESPN? I I don't think. And I don't agree with everything he says, but he keeps it real. I think he has a great player's perspective. I think he brings up a lot of good points. You know, he shuts up Stephen A. Smith, which you gotta love. I think the argument he had with Mad Dog Russo, which, by the way, I like Mad Dog. I get he's a clown, but, like, he came to Bradley a couple years ago. I met him. He's a super nice guy. Um, you know, and it's just kind of his shtick. He'd be loud and yell a lot, and you either you love him or you hate him. But, like, he looks stupid in a couple debate on ESPN a couple weeks ago. Uh, so, I, I do like JJ Reddick, but uh, <laughs> this is a good, you know what? This is a good response. I'm, I'm just flipping through the article here. This is the first time I saw it. So, we're actually re reacting live here. Uh, Bob Cruz's response I guess Wilt Chamberman must have fought fires as well. <laughs> we must have had the best firemen and plumbers on the planet. Which, plumbing, by the way, is a tough job. There's a reason they get paid the big bucks. You know, you do jobs around the house. Plumbing's one of them you can't do yourself. Now, you name a person or a parent, you know, anyone you know that does their own plumbing. You can't. It's hard. You always got to hire a plumber for that. So, you know, if they were all plumbers and firemen, yeah, I mean, that's kind of saying something. Because then what are the NBA players right now? Social media influencers. Prima donnas and whiners flopping over everything. And I'll take the plumbers and firemen. Maybe not as athletic. Maybe not as good as shooters, but... Damn it, I'll bet you they were tougher. That's what I say. Uh, <laughs> good for Koozie. Good for Koozie. But I do like JJ Redick too. So, like, hey, that, that's, a, that's a funny argument. Uh, let's plow in ahead. 
by the way, a couple, a couple quick shameless plugs here. Since coming back from LA, you know, I had to make a short, short film. Um, you can check that out now. It is live on our YouTube channel. Look it up. Dirty Dishes is on Dormer's YouTube channel. Nine minute film written and directed by yours truly. Is it good? No. Is it well written? Absolutely not. Is the quality high? Nope. But it's a damn good time if you don't, if I do say so myself. Maybe you'll enjoy it. Maybe you won't. News have been mixed. I've had some positive reviews. You're either going to love it or you hate it. Let's take a look at it. Tell me what you think. Let me comments below. If you don't like it, I won't be offended. It's my directorial debut. So, uh, yeah. What did you expect? Sports communication major. That right. Also on there, you'll also find a documentary about Dodgers Stadium 2. That is actually very interesting. That one, I'm not going to lie. That one's pretty good. I think you'll learn something from there. Dodger Stadium is one of those stadiums. I've, I've been trying to go to as many stadiums as I can. It's a cool stadium. It's kind of got the football field vibe. It is old. You can tell it has that 60s feel. There's not many stadiums like it. Um, I don't even think it's that nice of a stadium. It's just cool because it's different because of how big it is. And in, you know how many concerts and venues they've had there over the years, like Elton John, the Beatles played there. Um, it's one of those stadiums rare that it has had so many iconic moments, not just including baseball. And then arguably one of the most iconic baseball moments, Kirk Gibson's home run, which fun fact, which you'll learn from the documentary too, as well as many other things. But I'll give you a fun fact right now. Kirk Gibson's home run ball, nobody knows where that is to date. So you can check both of those out. Um, as well and also we're going to get to our uh our sponsor for today's podcast uh shocked hydrate yeah we've talked about them before uh and you haven't jumped on board what are you waiting for you know they sponsor the wonderful folks here uh at belly up as well uh but they got a new flavor it's a watermelon flavor it's delicious i finally tried it you know i've been, <laughs> been one of those advertisers that has just been uh talking about it without trying it. i finally tried it it's pretty good you're a gamer great gamer fuel that's kind of what they go around he uses pre-workout too good uh refreshing and who doesn't like watermelon watermelon's delicious that's one of the best things about summer you get to eat watermelon it's fantastic recommend you give it a shot and also check out some of the other great shows on uh belly up as well doing a wonderful job uh especially you know these players they got a little bit of stuff for everything we got some hockey specialized shows uh as well which is good so i uh, you know our, our show is more of a broad rundown of everything uh but uh you know you want to ranger specific hurricane specific we got you you know good stuff there um all the pre okay Got to talk about this really quick. And this is late. I know. Preakness are coming up this week. Uh, but the Kentucky Derby, man, that was one of the best rides. You know, everyone's always like, ah. that was one of the few. Because usually I'm one of those people, like, the horse The horse deserves a lot of credit. Like, the secretary, you know, the jockey for them, they just didn't have to fall off. But that was one of those races. The jockey deserves a ton of credit. Uh, what was it? Lucky Strike or Money Strike? Uh, strike it. Uh, what was the name of that horse? Talking about the Kentucky Derby. Don't even know the name of the horse. <laughs> Lucky Strike, I think. Rich Strike. Ah, I knew that's a great name for a horse. Rich Strike. But the route that thing took, it looked like a running back hitting the hole there. They've hit the hole and boom, it was off. He started in the back. He's kind of getting muggy. He's weaved his way up front, hit the hole. It was an impressive route. Watch the overhead of it. You'll be impressed. But here's my question for you. You get a horse. Because I think that's one of the funnest things about horse racing is look at the names of the horses. What are you naming your horse? I heard a great one on the radio today. Hung like a horse. That's what someone said. Which I don't think would be approved. But you get 17 letters to use for the name, including spaces. So what are you naming your horse? Uh, I always think that would be interesting. Because, you know, some of them are ridiculous. Like, Secretary, it's a good name, because I think you could actually call it that. Like, 
Some of them are, are like, you know. Oh, this is my horse. I look like a horse. <laughs> so I think it should actually be like a name name. I'm all for clever names, too. What are you naming your horse? That'll be the question of the week. Maybe we'll put it on. You know what? I'm going to put it on the Twitter right now. Go to Dormer Dispute. Tell us what you think. Uh, posting it right now. Interested to see uh, what you're calling your horse. I think the spring also. One of the best seasons, right, for sports. I think fall, spring, the two best seasons. Got me. It's top two, right? Fall is my favorite game at the World Series, and all the sports are starting. Football's going. But spring championship season cannot beat it. That is all we have for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for bearing with us with, with the delay. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week, um, and enjoy the playoffs. You heard it here first, though. Celtics, Warriors, going to be in the finals. Book it. We're going to be talking about how right I was next week. Don't blame Chris Paul. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week.